The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Kotz. And I'm Stephanie Sambari, and we are the hosts of That's So Retrograde. Heard of us? For the past 200 and some episodes, we've been trying to figure out what the hell wellness is. We have inspiring and fun conversations with all types of amazing people, from healers to comedians to whatever's in between. We're five years in, but we're just getting started. So hop on board every Thursday to join the party and route to living your best life. And don't forget your cannabis. Or to check us out on Instagram at So Retrograde. That's right. Bye. See you there. I'm Dr. Deepika Chopra, the Optimism Doctor, and this is Looking Up, a place where you can expect to find raw, transparent storytelling. Listen in to learn real science-based techniques to cultivate more optimism, resiliency, and authentic joy from artists, athletes, experts, and many more. If an episode of a podcast could be equated to a spirit animal, I know this all sounds very strange, just, just go with me. Um, this very episode of Looking Up would be my spirit animal episode. And I hope that you guys understand what I'm talking about <laughs> as soon as I introduce uh, my guest on today's episode of Looking Up. So it's no secret out there, those of you who follow along this podcast or are part of the Looking Up community in any way or have heard me speak somewhere, that I love to express myself by just putting on some music and moving and letting go and just getting it all out and expressing myself. It is a source of joy for me and it's sort of the easiest mindset shift for me personally is just to get up and to dance. I've also learned that it takes serious skill and determination to pull off something that is called a flash mob and to do it extremely well on a semi-regular basis. Today's guest on Looking Up is the one, the only, Vince Coconato from Bob's Dance Shop. I have been such a fan of his dance videos, his flash bobs, yes, he calls his flash mobs flash bobs, and the general positivity and movement he puts out into the universe every day and on my Instagram feed for a while now. I love his idea and sort of description of what Bob is and how all of us have Bob inside of us. If you don't already follow him or know what on earth I'm talking about, please pause this episode and go check out his Instagram right now. I'm serious. I will wait. The handle is Bob's Dance Shop. Go ahead. Okay. Hopefully you found it by now and it's piqued your interest. It's incredible. I was so honored to sit down with Coco on his golden 30th birthday and talk about why he does what he does where the inspiration for Bob's dance shop comes from, and to hear his resiliency story. Coco shares openly with us about growing up closeted in Central Florida, how one group project in high school set him on the right path, how his mental health journey and coming to terms with his identity are interconnected, and how dance helped him find positivity, strength, and a purpose. I hope that this episode leaves you feeling seen, inspired, and motivated to just get up and dance. Well, anyway, let me know. And if you liked this episode, please follow along on my personal Instagram page at Dr. Deepika Chopra for some behind the scenes of this episode and for some of the dance moves that Coco taught me himself. The way that we usually start the podcast is with this little section that I call Looking In, and it's just a, a short series of some rapid-fire style questions Let's to um, get to know you a little more intimately. So has there been a book that you have read that has actually changed the way in which you live your life? And if so, please share. Yes. So the same author wrote two books that I look at and read Every chance I can, especially when I feel myself getting off balance, I read The Power of Now mm -hmm. and A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. Yes, definitely yes. Mm -hmm. How would you describe yourself as a teenager during the high school years in three words? So I have my three words and then I asked my mom to <laughs> also send me three <gasps> words because I'm sure they would be different. But I my three it. words, a leader, overachiever, and a social butterfly. Mm. Where'd you grow up, by the way? 
I grew up in central Florida, Polk County, Lake Wales to be specific. It's the actual, actual bullseye of the peninsula of Florida. Wow. Okay. Back in the center. Yep. And where are you now? I am in Venice Beach, Los (gasps) Angeles. This just got even more exciting because I am literally like... I'm a stone's throw away from you. <laughs> Where are you? Well, I'm in Santa Monica. Oh my gosh. I was just there for lunch. Well, I can already feel like there is some, there's some together dancing in our future. There's some synergy. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the around the world flash mob was in Santa Monica. See, I need to, I didn't know any of this. I don't know where they are and I don't know how to actually find out where they are. These are all questions I have for you. Um, but also like how can anyone just learn them and go to one of them? Or I mean, everyone looks pretty professional that does do them. So oh, maybe not. No, they, no, these are not professionals. Not, okay. not one bit. Okay, wait, what are your mom's three words? I have so many questions for you. Okay, so she just texted me. <laughs> I literally asked her because I was like, when, you're, when I'm talking about myself, you know, your my perspective is always going to be different from someone else's. And I knew my mom would be sincere. Yes. <laughs> um, she says, just three question marks. Um, you were highly motivated, outgoing. Wow, she hit more than three. Outgoing, <laughs> involved, friendly, and creative. Ooh, I love, by the way, us moms, you can't limit us to just three words to describe our children. It's just Absolutely not, not. Yeah, we will, we jump at the chance to just, we could write a whole dictionary on just right. words to describe our children. <laughs> oh, yes. I love <laughs> I love my mom. She's she was my teacher and my mother. Oh, that's so cool. That's so nice. Is she still in Florida? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Next question. People think I'm blank, but I'm actually blank. People think I'm an extrovert, but I am actually an introvert. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. I'm an extroverted introvert. Yes. I totally resonate with that. And I've shared that a lot. Like for every thing that I'm out for or sort of connecting. And I love like once I'm out, I'm just, it's very natural and I love connecting with other humans. But for every time that that happens, I need like double the amount of time to just kind of be within and be actually like alone or just I need space and time to do that, which this whole coming back into the world kind of, but not really has been a very interesting emotional roller coaster. I know for many people I work with, but actually like for myself as well. And I've shared that too, where my introvertedness has actually really, it really intensified during COVID part one. I feel like I'm just calling it COVID part one and we're in part two because it's still obviously COVID. Right. Yeah, um, rightfully so. Yeah. It, it sort of intensified in a way that it brought a lot of it. It brought my needs more out there, which I think are important and I will carry with me. But it also, you know, I wasn't like using those skills of like being extroverted as much. And I found it like kind of strangely in a way that I've never had before really jarring to be in any extroverted moments and found myself like going to the bathroom like three times or like taking a break not because I had to go to the bathroom, but just because I needed, I needed space. Oh, I agree. Yeah, same. What are three things that have brought you joy today so far? Well, today is a very special day. Okay, tell me more. It is my golden 30th birthday. What? It's today. And I'm celebrating right here with you. What? Are you so, serious? I'm serious. Oh Turn 30. God. And it's my and on the thirtieth, so it's. My oh goal. my gosh! Happy birthday! This is. Thank you. Oh my gosh! This makes me like. This makes me so much more happy than I already was. I can't, and I feel really honored that you would take the time out of your golden thirtieth, which only happens once, to mm-hmm. talk to me. Absolutely. I feel like I. I feel at the end of this, we have to do some sort of birthday dance of For some sure. sort. We need For to sure. just move together. This is, For sure. This is too much. Happy birthday. Thank Aww, you. I love that. That was one thing. I think the follow-up to that is that one of my close friends treated me to lunch. Very Market nice. Edmonds. And we went to Tartine, which is oh, in Santa Monica. Yes. So that was a treat and brought me joy, especially our conversation. And then also just, I have been receiving very lovely messages from friends and um, getting voice memos and text messages, phone calls, and 
just really nice. You know, I think that's yeah. the really special thing um, for birthdays. You just really hear from the people that you love and who love you. And so that's really brought me joy today. Absolutely. Well, happy birthday. I'm, you're bringing me joy today. Well, let's jump right in. Actually, I have one question for you before we do, but it, it is part of the jump in. How would you define optimism? Optimism, hmm, having faith. Mm. Having faith in love and not out of fear. There is, for me, a distinct difference. I, I read something that you said that was kind of along those lines, and I want to ask you about that in a little bit about sort of choosing faith over fear. Um, mm. But before we jump into that, I feel like hopefully many people listening already know at least a little about you or have seen you move and have mm -hmm. been brought to joy in some way by you. But I'm guessing that not everybody knows a lot about who you really are and what your journey has been. And mm. so I'm wondering if, you know, you can share a little bit about yourself and also your sort of story uh, with dance and how that all began and how it's really brought you to what you're doing today. And um, I know that you founded a dance class in 2019, which mm -hmm. now has turned into flash bobs and videos that have literally gone viral. But anyway, what has brought you here? My faith actually has brought me here. The vision that I've had as a small, as a child, I grew up in a small town in central Florida, very like Christian Southern town. And as a kid, we had all of our best friends kind of grew up on the same street. And we didn't really have a lot of video games. So we were outside a lot and we would make short films and put on concerts and we'd go door knocking and we'd invite neighbors to come watch or yeah, watch our performance or watch the movie and our production company, I'm putting quotations, <laughs> was Twisted Oak Productions. And it's always been my dream as a kid to make Twisted Oak Productions a real thing. And ultimately, that's where I am right now. Twisted Oak is really my creative dream. It's my vision. And Bob lives within that universe. But as a kid, that was kind of my outlet, my creative outlet. I also played a lot of sports. I was like baseball was like what my family and I lived by. We were always at the Little League field. My my dad was the head umpire. My mom ran the concession stand. I'm the youngest of five kids and all of us played ball. And so it was like our second home. And sports really, at the time, preoccupied mm -hmm. really like my fun time, my play time. And I was homeschooled up until sixth grade, which gives context. Mm -hmm. um, my mom homeschooled all five kids until they went to middle school. And then we would go to public school. And basically from public school middle school and high school, I got really involved in sports, in leadership, in band. I wasn't part of the marching band. So I have this element of band nerd, which I'm proud of. <laughs> and also this like athletic jockey, sporty, and also this leader. Um, and that's kind of like, I was an overachiever. I was a social butterfly, but also to give context, I was closeted mm. um, and very confused of who I was um, as a person. And also in the effort to run away from that, I preoccupied a lot of my time mm -hmm. with these extracurricular activities. And in this preoccupation of my time, I really did discover a talent and a passion for, honestly, I live for surprising people and surpassing expectation and putting entertaining people like mm -hmm. where they least expect it. Um, which is why the flash mom makes sense because it's a surprise entertainment. Mm -hmm. But the funny thing is I didn't really, I never danced ever until my senior year in high school. And my senior year I had right before I went to New York City on vacation with my family. And that was right about the time when Michael Jackson had passed away. And like the news, I just broadcasted it. And I was at this restaurant paying my bill and I left the restaurant and this woman with a microphone and a video camera and they come up to me and they say, Michael Jackson has just passed away. Like, what's your initial reaction? And I just kind of felt this overwhelming. Like I just, I didn't have words to say. It was just like a complete shock to me. And the moral of that story is I went home and just started watching all of Michael Jackson's music videos and just became very inspired by his artistry 
very specifically his artistry, the way mm. in which he presented his artwork through his music and performance and fashion and all of that. And so I watched Thriller like a thousand times and then self-taught myself the Thriller dance from start to finish. And that was the first time I had learned to dance and actually mm. danced it. But even then I hadn't done it publicly. And so I was the senior class president and started that year. And I wanted to do something that no other class had ever done. Instead of being known for like a state championship, I wanted to be known for like something original that like was unique to our class. And also something that would bring different cliques and groups together into mm. one space. And that was, and still is my, my passion and my skill set is like building community and bringing people together. So as class president, I had sent out this like invitation to saying, hey, we're going to do this surprise performance at the homecoming pep rally. Whoever wants to do it, we're going to practice on Tuesdays and Thursdays for a month straight. And then we're going to do the performance. So I had about 60 of my classmates and then a few of the teachers, including my mom, um, who taught at the school as well. And that was my first time ever teaching choreography. And in that, I discovered what a perfectionist I am. Mm -hmm. um, so my craft as an artist, and also I discovered how much patience I had, which was really necessary for the participants to, mm -hmm. to enjoy the process of learning really requires patience on the teachers. And, and so that's something my mom always taught me was patience. Mm -hmm. um, so I discovered, okay, I'm really good at teaching. I enjoy it. And like all these people look like professional dancers and they aren't dancers. And this is awesome. And what really excited me was that no one knew it was coming. Mm -hmm. No one had ever seen me dance or had seen any of these people dance. So when it came time for this pep rally, we were all sprawled out on the floor. The whole gymnasium was filled with like 2000 people, different students. And they're all like cheering and hooting and hollering because they think it's going to be like a very campy, you know, yeah. like lighthearted dance. But they didn't realize how long we had been practicing. And so essentially, right when we had our first move for Thriller, <laughs> first step, like the whole place erupted because like we had worked really, really hard at perfecting this as much as we could. And it, it surpassed everyone's expectation. And that was my first, my debut as a choreographer, dancer, performer was October of 2009. Wow. And... Really, that's only been the last decade. And everything I've ever done roots from that one performance. Wow. And including my, the style of choreography, the way that Thriller, the structure of Thriller, um, the movements are teachable to all skill levels. And they also fall on an eight count, which is very um, an elementary way of instructing because not everyone is a dancer, but everyone knows how to count to eight. Yes. So whenever you have a, a, a choreography that fits to an eight count, that fits to those numerical numbers, you then can apply it to any song. As long as the song has a beat, which every mm -hmm. song does, then you can apply that choreography. And so that philosophy I've carried a whole decade long, um, went into college, still closeted. I joined a fraternity. I got even more involved on campus, became a tour guide, orientation leader, student government. Mm -hmm. I did as much as I could. Instead of engaging my sexuality, I just put a wall against it. Mm -hmm. And I channeled all of that sexual energy into my creativity and did my first ever flash mob my freshman year in, in college was 300 people. Wow. And we, yeah, we did it to raise money and awareness for the Children's Miracle Network. Um, which was a part of Dance Marathon. I think if you've ever heard of that, it's like a, they do it all around the country uh, where they dance all night to raise money for the children's hospitals. Oh, wow. So we did this mega flash mob in the middle of campus. And that was like the, my first taste of a flash mob. Where was that? What camp, where were you at school? Were you it in Florida? The University of North Florida. It's okay. located in Jacksonville. Yep. So Florida man, Florida educated, California yes. living. Makes sense to me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. So you, like, I didn't realize that you had been doing this for, I mean, I guess it makes sense. But like, so then in college, like your freshman year after that high school experience, you put all that energy out. You did your first flash mob, 300 people. Again, probably another really successful element of surprise and joy. Yes. It was a, a major, major success that actually like, went semi-viral and mm -hmm. made national news. Wow. And 
because that was something that I was driven by. We were part of a, a college campus that didn't have a football team. Mm-hmm. So there was this need and want and excitement to overcompensate from this fact that we didn't really have a lot of school pride. Mm-hmm. And, but we wanted to do something that no other college like comparably could do. Right. Um, right. Same thing like in high school. I wanted my senior class to be known for something original. That's why we did Thriller. Yeah. This is something similar. And it's how I could motivate a group of strangers who didn't know each other to be a part of something much bigger than us. And that's what song the, did you do? We did um, Shakira, Waka Waka. And then that goes right into another um, song that was for the FIFA World Cup. It was two oh, songs because oh, yeah. it came, we did this performance right after the FIFA World Cup in 2010. And so in the theme, we got like all of the international students and their flags were all present at this performance. In fact, I think the song, the second song was called Waving Flag, which is all about this like international unity of coming together. And that really truly was represented because all of these students from all these different organizations were coming together to be a part of this flash mob. And it really did bring so many unique and diverse groups of people together in the same space. Um, And we just celebrated that, you know, and that's what that performance represented was just like raw, authentic expression of school pride and unity. And it was a huge success. And that was the, that was a big propeller and gaining a lot of confidence for myself to keep Mm -hmm. going, keep growing and to keep creating other performances that we, I continued to do throughout college. So it sort of became like this. It became your thing and you were known for creating these flash mobs uh, throughout your college campus and also like in the community as well. Were you guys doing it like surrounding? We weren't weren't doing it in the city. You know, I kept it kind of on campus. And aside from like the campus wide things, I was heavily involved in my fraternity. And there was this big competition called Lip Sync that you only got to perform once in this major performance hall called the Lazara Theater. Mm-hmm. And it was the biggest competition on campus. And what most people took, like, it was like, if you won this competition, you were like, you know, top dog. And my freshman this year... college sounds really fun. It was I love that. so much fun. I like it that was that was so the biggest fun. competition. Like, that is it, like, sign me up. You know, like I said, like, we didn't have the football team. Yeah. And that... To, to a lot of people was a make or break, but because of that, it allowed people like me to really thrive and to really get involved and really motivated us to like find joy and school pride and passion and like other mm-hmm. extracurriculars. And dance was what I had access to. It's what I knew. And then mm-hmm. also community building, finding a common goal that people were all enthusiastic about and then motivating them to accomplish this goal together is at that time. And what I can see now is mm-hmm. my... That's like my skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was doing that with the fraternity where I was motivating my fraternity brothers and or the team in which we were teamed up with to say, hey, we all want to achieve this. You're good at this. You're good at that. You're good at this. Let's all do what we're best at, put it all together and let's create a masterpiece. And so all throughout college, that's what I did. And it preoccupied me from having to really truly engage with my sexuality part which eventually by my junior year, when I had, I became president, I had fallen in love with one of my friends who was in the fraternity who I didn't want, I didn't mean to fall in love with. I just like had built this camaraderie and this accidental situation happened where I really fell for him. And because I was so afraid of who I was and in denial of who I was, I didn't have a therapist to like talk to because I was even afraid to come mm-hmm. out to my, to a therapist and I didn't have friends who I could talk to because I was still afraid to be myself. I was afraid of what other people might think of me. So I, in this position of power, I was very, very small mm-hmm. and was going through a really, really dark time of being in love with someone, not really understanding it, and then trying to convince myself out of it, but being too afraid to like be honest with that person mm-hmm. out of fear of one, not being loved and um, loved, being loved back. Uh, fear of him not wanting to be my friend anymore. Mm -hmm. And then the fear of him telling other people and then my whole reputation Mm -hmm. of what I thought I was to be blasted. So the longer story short of that is I went through a very deep, 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 deep depression. Mm -hmm. Never attempted suicide, but like 
very much contemplated it and was very unhappy, but had to put this front on that I was thriving, which I was in a sense thriving. I was doing what the outside world would appear to them to be thriving and succeeding. I was crumbling inside because part of me felt like I was trying to, to shield and mask who I was and covering up with all these accolades and successes and these championship dance competitions and doing these flash moms was all this way of trying to overcompensate from me not truly loving myself. Mm -hmm. So I ended up going on this big hiking trip with my oldest brother, whose birthday is also today. We are 11 years, 11 minutes apart. Oh my gosh. And we did a birthday hiking trip. This is your junior year or now it's your senior year? This is end of, yeah, my junior year in college. Okay. And I went out to Glacier so right, National Park. Right in the thick of your depression yeah. and feeling completely yeah. sounds like alone and almost like living a lie. Yep. Because I, I hadn't told you this part, but I was dating one of my best friends, a female. Okay. Right before my junior year. And when I say like the epitome of a beautiful human of inside and out, talented, smart, creative, beautiful, it just was like the person, the girl you would take home to mom mm-hmm. and dad and say, Hey, this is who I'm going to marry. Mm-hmm. That was the, the one who she choreographed the flash mob with me. She was, she tag teamed all the dance competitions with me. And I really tried to fall in love with her and I couldn't get sexually into her. And I ultimately had to break her heart. And that mm-hmm. was right before my junior year because I could not live with the, the idea of lying to someone who I love so much. So I told her as much of the truth as I could, but I didn't tell her all the truth. Right. Fast forward, then I fell in love with one of my best friends. That's when I went to the depression. Mm-hmm. Then my brother sends me an invitation saying, hey, I'm going backpacking in Glacier. It's it's not just a little camping trip. This is like a very, very difficult trek. We're going like 60 miles. We're camping six nights in the back country. It's grizzly country. You're going to be uncomfortable, but you're going to love it. You're going to see the beauty of like nature and like what this country and earth has to offer. And it, mm-hmm. at that time, it was just like, sign me up, get mm-hmm. me in a place like I'm game. So I brought my best friend who grew up on Twisted Oak with me, Sterling. And we went on this adventure and it was really, really difficult. And it really did put me to a test Mm -hmm. of, um, I faced a lot of fears, my fears of grizzly bears and being out in the wilderness. And there was a point where my best friend was getting the beginning stages of hyperthermia because we were getting rained on all day and the temperatures were dropping and there was just a lot happening, but ultimately it just raised my living vibrations. It just mm-hmm. like woke me up. There wasn't really time to be in my thoughts and in my moods. I was just alive mm-hmm. and surviving. And there was this thrill, this adventure of being with my oldest brother who I look up to. And ultimately in that experience was able to accept who I was. Mm-hmm. And when I came back from that trip, I just was like, you know what? I'm not ready to come out yet. Uh, I still have a lot of work to do, but I'm at a better place where I can continue to finish out my time in college and continue doing what I love. And then I'm going to move to California. And when I move to California, I'll have the space to just be and come to find myself and love myself. And that's exactly what happened. Graduated college. I drove out to California and the rest is history. I've been here for six and a half years. And when I moved out here, Mm -hmm. I took one class because I I'm actually not professionally trained and I've never actually taken a dance class except for one. That one class I took was with an instructor named Shaniri and she is from Jamaica. Mm. Her class is called Island Groove and it's not really focused on choreography. It's focused on movement Mm. and moving your butt and your shoulders and your belly and your neck and truly just shaking free the the thoughts and truly engaging with your body and your sexual, your mm-hmm. sexual self and your creative self. And it's a training for Carnival. Mm. So she teaches this class to kind of train everyone for Carnival, which is essentially just a party where you just yeah. let, let loose and you have fun. And that was so new to me and what I needed so desperately at that time was to just fully let go and engage and like 
disengage the mind to fully tap into the body. And that dance class truly like exploded my creativity, my expression, like my confidence went up because I just felt this freedom to let go Mm -hmm. that I never truly felt before. And that was just like the, the cannon that just set me off. And just within the last six years, I'm am where I am now. And I'm like, my, my butterfly has cocooned and blossomed so many times. And I'm just as colorful and as just like as expressed and authentic as I know I can be. How was coming out for you? Was it around the same time of that class? Did that class sort of help you sort of not just accept it um, and accept yourself, but also sort of give you the confidence to take that plunge and to share it with family and friends and sort of live in the same way that you were feeling? Yeah. It wasn't like a, hey, guess what? Um, My philosophy was like the friends who come out here to meet me and to see me and to experience this with me, Mm -hmm. that conversation is going to come up naturally. Hey, how are you doing? What are you up to? Are you seeing are you seeing anybody? Mm-hmm. And it always came up. And I would then use that opportunity to say, you know, I'm, you know, I came out to them. Just mm-hmm. saying, like, I'm not really into women. And ultimately, every single friend who I came out to, our friendship only grew stronger. Mm-hmm. And I am lucky that all of my my whole coming out process has been very pleasant. In the last two like important and most difficult people I came out to were my parents. Mm-hmm who raised me as a spiritual Christian, um, not in the church. We, Our family never went to a church. It was always just on the principles of loving your neighbor as yourself, loving God with all your heart. And that was something that my parents demonstrated with their love for one another and their love for their kids. Mm-hmm. So there was a language that they were familiar with. Like they still are deeply invested in the Bible and because that's the language that makes sense to them. Mm-hmm. And they taught us really love without really forcing it. And it really gave me the freedom to explore myself without those limitations Mm -hmm. and those barriers. So when I was time to come out to them, it was the last bit of weight holding me back before I started Twisted Oak Productions. And so when I went home for Christmas, we dropped my oldest brother off at the airport. And it was just me and my two parents. And I, I had already told my sisters I'm like, I'm telling mom and dad on the way home. So when I get out of that car and I haven't told them, like, you better hold me accountable. Yeah. And I am like, I'm out of my integrity. So when I say I'm going to do something, I have to do it or else yeah. like guilt. So I was like, all right, well, I have an hour until we're home. So <laughs> the whole time I just, I used my parents' language that I knew that they would understand. Mm-hmm. And I used the language in which they taught me to basically communicate to them who I was. Mm-hmm. And I basically, I said to my my dad, I said, when you met mom for the first time, you didn't know anything about her, but you were physically attracted to her, which sparked your interest in wanting to get to know her and which you fell in love. Mm-hmm. And I said the same to my mom. Mom, when you first met dad, you were physically attracted to dad before you truly knew who dad was. Mm-hmm. And it was that attraction that engaged the loving relationship. And now 40 years later, you're still in this loving marriage. But that began with an attraction. I said, um, I, I don't have that attraction for women. I've really tried. Uh, I tried having that attraction for Melissa. My parents loved Melissa. Mm-hmm. They were really excited for their new sister-in-law, or uh, sorry, daughter-in-law. And I was like, I'm sorry to break your heart, but I loved hers too. I just, I couldn't get sexually right. attracted to her. Like, and so my mom very politely, she said, does this mean you're attracted to men? And I was like, Yes, it does. Thank you for clarifying. Because I guess that is a right, that's a fair question. Um, And I said, yes, I am sexually attracted to men. And and I said a few other things, like you taught me to love God with all your heart and to love your neighbor as yourself. But one thing that you forgot to emphasize, and I didn't really know how to emphasize, was myself. Like Mm -hmm. I was trying to like be a service and be a giver and a lover to all these people that I it was almost um, a preoccupation that didn't really allow me to see and love myself for who I was. Because as far as I knew, like I was choosing sin and an abomination. Like I was trying to like unwire that part of myself. So I said, Hey, you said love God with all your heart, all your soul and, and love your neighbor as yourself. And I finally moved to California and I've actually love myself now. Mm. I love who I've really become to be. And 
you know, my parents, my mom turned around and she said, you know, we love you just as much now as we did two minutes ago before you just told us. Mm. And she said, who you choose to sleep with or who you choose to be in a partnership with is really no one's business. Mm -hmm. Said, And we are going to love you and support you with every decision that you make. Mm. So that was a huge weight off my shoulders. Uh, And that's not the case for everybody. And I'm really, I am really grateful for that. And I don't take that for granted, which is why ultimately why Bob's dance shop exists and why Twisted Oak exists all goes to show into like what my life purpose is, is creating that space of love and acceptance and forgiveness that ultimately was there my entire life. Mm -hmm. Something that my parents cultivated, whether they realized they were cultivating it or not, they held a space of openness and where there was always love. There was rules, there was barriers, there was boundaries, but there was always love. And, um, that's the, the root and the source of what Bob's Dance Shop is. It's a paradise for self-expression. It's a space in which you can truly liberate your thoughts, liberate your mind, and really truly tap into that which is inside of us and outside of us and so much bigger than all of us. Mm-hmm. And that's why I said faith has been my driving force, the vision that I've had in my head. like I have had the vision of Twisted Oak since childhood. I didn't know Bob until I discovered Bob and what Bob represented. But Bob ultimately has been a 15-year project. Before Bob was the name of that project, it's been a 15-year project. So what exactly or who exactly is Bob? Bob is a vibration, a Mm. high vibrational energy that you embody, I embody, we all embody. It stands for be our best. Mm. Be in the moment. So it calls attention to the present moment. Our calls attention to the sense of community, which is us. And best is how we show up Mm -hmm. in that space. Because we're not always feeling our happiest. We go through ups and downs. But when you show up in that space, you're saying, I forgive where I just came from. I accept where I am. And I'm going to give my best right here. And that's what we do. Whenever we bring people together, all those flash mobs that you see are strangers coming together in the same space. And before we teach any choreography, we take a breath. We inhale. We exhale. And I say, that is the most important connection we need to establish. I see all of you for everything that you are. But more importantly, what we are is much bigger than all of us as individuals. Mm-hmm. And that's what Bob is. It's this kind of a way of manifesting an energy that in my, for me represents my faith. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason it's not Coco's dance shop <laughs> because that would make it about me. And I'm fully aware that what I'm creating is much bigger than me mm-hmm. because I have a timeline. This body will eventually be gone at one point. Bob is something that cannot be destroyed. It's indestructible. Mm -hmm. And that's why we all channel Bob. That's why you're Bob. Mm -hmm. And whenever we call people into that space, we let them know that Bob is the accumulation of all of us. And um, that space in which we create together is wide open for expression. You be who you want to be as you are without having to put on any act or any show or any shield. We melt the ice to really say, just be. Mm-hmm. relax and have fun because it's really truly about bringing joy into mm-hmm. a space and like tapping into our inner child because we're so in this adultness where we mm-hmm. have to perform and act a certain way that we think being playful is being childish and being childish is shamed upon mm-hmm. but really it's we're all children that grow older but we all just want to play and that's that playful environment is really where we find the most authentic joy yeah, and play and joy and, you know, these things, they're not frivolous. They're actually, they're part of our survival and mm. they're actually tools. And I always say, you know, in my workshops or with people I work with or coach, you know, really, really hone in on a moment that brings you joy. Like, I think like oftentimes we, 
if we feel joyful, it's kind of that idea of if it's not broken, there's nothing to fix and there's nothing to really write home about. So we kind of just pass right through and we really tend to focus on the things that are not going so well or that we need to improve on, you know, or that we're struggling with, which are also also very important things to focus on. But none of us are really wired in a way it takes practice to focus on things that actually bring us joy. And then not only that, but to actually figure out how can I put more of that into my everyday life? And so like, if for me, moving to music brings me joy, I know that that's one of my tools now. And so, you know, whether it's, whether I can get in half a song, a quarter of a song or an entire song or three songs, whatever that is, I know it's my tool. I'm feeling like I I need to express myself in some way, work through, need through an emotion, or I'm feeling stagnant, whatever it is. And every day I feel one of those feelings twice a day, three times a day. You know, for me, I, I take a look at like my tools and it often comes down to just moving that that's my way of expressing myself. And I think since becoming a mom, you know, I'm not sure I've talked about this part of motherhood a lot, but personally for me, I feel like just the connection to my body has been really challenged. And I think just going through an experience where my body has been, you know, used in so many different ways, for lack of a better sort of metaphor, and for ways that are magical and beautiful and like bringing life into this world and sustaining life, but also carrying my kids and physically, you know, and and just the emotional part of, of all of that too. I, I think for a while there, I really lost sort of my connection to my own body and certainly my connection to my own sort of sensuality and sexuality, which I 100% was connected to sort of like at a previous time. And now I've really learned and, and the, the sort of lesson I've learned that's been really key is that 30 seconds is a lot. 30 mm-hmm. seconds, five times a day, if that's all I have, I'm going to take that moment, those 30 seconds. And instead of looking at it like, well, it's not worth it. I'm not going to, you know, there's no, that that's nothing. 30 seconds is nothing. Like I try to really use those 30 seconds as this micro moment. And for me, moving and just expressing myself. And and oftentimes maybe it's, I don't know if there's a wrong or right in it, but like doing it in front of a mirror for me really, really like ups that, like up levels that for me where I can just see myself being free and moving and no judgment and like just appreciating my body for what it's doing. And also just like kind of feeling myself, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there aren't very many other moments like that in my everyday life where I feel so connected and sort of just brings me back to my own self within and my body and gets me into a space of not just gratitude for myself and my body, but just like finding joy in doing something for yourself and liking yourself. I think dance transcends that and movement transcends that and the love and the joy that you guys are sort of exploding with when you're doing it. Like it just, it's one of, it's one of the few things that just everything that's happening is happening and people are getting from it without even intentionally having to understand it. If that makes sense. It does. That's why I do what I do to communicate a language that doesn't need words. And sometimes words can get in people's heads and can get misconceived and misunderstood. And truly the language that needs to speak needs no words. I love that you said, we're out here moving and grooving, making waves and sending them around the world. Um, Our intention is to bring joy to the ordinary moment. And you totally do. To find peace with our past, love in our present and an openness to our future. And we want to inspire people to be spontaneous and creative and, and courageous and bold and to choose love over fear. And so I think that though, just you are, you are doing those things. And I think that in some ways, in a very simple way, which I think is something that we can all relate to, like things don't have to be so complicated all the time. And I think as humans, we tend, our brains tend to try to make them and how beautiful an experience is when it's just, it is what it is. Right. It's raw. It's raw. It's it's not um, produced. It's not rehearsed. Mm -hmm. 
it is, I think that is what draws people to flash mobs, these organic flash mobs, is that they are raw. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually find the videos that we post that are the least edited are the most successful because there is a realness to, oh, they this is what happened. That person messed up. They missed their mark. The choreography is off. Mm-hmm. This is real. But what's consistent is that there's joy in this. Mm-hmm. And that, that is Bob's vibe. We aren't professional dancers. In fact, I'm pr- pretty sure if professional dancers looked at us, they'd probably be like, what are they doing? You know, because we don't fit in that category. We are designed to be accessible to all people because what we're doing is far more than dancing. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a vibe. We are vibe makers, vibe curators, and that vibe is love, mm-hmm. right? And it's something you I can't love your eat. vibe. And I love that you're, when you explain that, like we all have Bob in us. We do. So like to get on that vibe, you know, it's just, it's something that just takes, even if it's for a split second of an intention and like everyone can participate in some way, shape or form and move whatever way they can. Yeah. I think what you were saying about how movement brings you joy, mm-hmm. there's, um, I don't know where I heard this, but I always say it. It's movement activates movement. It's the law of the universe. Mm-hmm object in motion stays in motion. Mm-hmm. If you look at the, f- the elements of life, you look at fire. Mm-hmm. Fire is constantly moving. Fire can't sit still. That's why it's hypnotizing because images of the flame are changing constantly. Mm-hmm. Water can't be still. When water goes still, it actually becomes stagnant and stale and then it gains bacteria. And if you look at water like a puddle that hasn't moved, it looks pretty gross mm-hmm. because movement is necessary. What you were saying, like, I don't have to use words. You can feel it. Mm-hmm. Even through an iPhone mm-hmm. screen, you're watching a video, yeah. you can feel the energy that we're getting, we're putting out mm-hmm. because there's something so pure and rooted and like love that we're doing. Like, we're not here. We're not influencers just making content to gain followers. We are artists here to create art and express it. And that art happens to have influence on a lot of people. And that's that's what's beautiful is that we get to grow that influence. We get to hold a microphone and we get to, even though it's not really a microphone, but you get what I'm saying, yeah. this megaphone to really say our truth. Mm-hmm. And that truth, not just being our story. I mean, my, this is me. This is how I grew up. But saying our truth, it's like, this is who I am in this moment. This is love. This is how, this is the joy, even in the pits and the depression that I'm going through I was crying yesterday, but in this moment, I'm showing up and I'm going to be my best. You know, there's something so real and and relatable to that. So are there, like, there's actually, there's a Bob's Dance Shop. So there's actual physical, there were dance classes, like, all about this. Literally, like, somewhere in my neighborhood and I missed it. Bob was a flash mob, okay. a named Bob. Okay. And that was April 7th, 2017. And Twisted Oak, as I told you, is the mothership mm-hmm. to all the creativity. How I express myself, almost like my life journal, is through these characters. And Bob was the first of those characters. Okay. The first metamorphosis of my coming out and like stepping into this physical being, which was Bob. And at that time was a male persona who had an accent like this and was this guy choreographer from the South. And it was a personality. But as I, and I started creating these other characters, there was Rico, there's Donnie, there's Hans, there's Rhonda, there's Frankie, there's Val, there's Stevie, there's Richard. You can look on Twisted Oak and you're going to find all of these different characters and all the characters carry a vibe. But of all of those, Bob was the first. And Bob is, in my, what I have picked up is everyone's favorite because there's a lighthearted goofiness that's just very warm. And it's how I can see Bob is like the sun in the solar system. There is no sunset or there, there is no rise or follow the sun. It's this constantly burning energy that is putting out light everywhere it it faces. And these other projects that I create are like planets revolving around that sun and that sun being Bob. And so when I discovered, as I grew to understand who I am and how to express my art, I realized I'm hurting myself if I keep Bob as this male figure, because what about the the ladies that are going to look at Bob and be like, oh, I like Bob, but I can't really see myself in a man. So that's why I was like, Bob is bigger than me. Bob is all of us. And anyone can really tap into Bob. Mm-hmm. And that really just brought, brought it, it to the next level. So when I started, I was working a job at a post-production company, RPS. Then later I moved to another post-production company called ETC. 
ultimately what I was doing there was cultivating a vibe, cultivating a fun and inviting paradise of culture within this company with the employees and the clients. And I was really good at it, really passionate about it, and it brought me joy. But it never fully filled my cup. It almost felt like this temporary job that allowed me to pay my bills so that I could do my creative stuff on the side. And by September of 2019, ETC was closing its doors in LA and they were letting me go. And I kind of reached this moment where I was like, man, I'm not upset that they're letting me go. I'm excited and I don't really want to find another job. I think this is my moment to really go after what I came out here to do. I need to take a jump. But I lacked faith and belief in myself. I lacked courage. I didn't think I, was, I had what it took to start my own company and to do my own thing. And I was like, wow, I need to do something so uncomfortable that I can see the depths of who I am and the, the boldness that I am and the love that I am because I just can't see it for myself in the comfort zone. So, Like your wilderness in, trip. Like my wilderness trip. That actually taught me. That actually was what I, what I knew what I had to do because that wilderness trip was a huge transformation. I thought, well, if I could just recreate that in different forms and get uncomfortable, then I could really start unfolding and tapping into these secrets of life that I haven't fully tapped into. So I was running out of money. I actually ran out of money. I couldn't afford rent. I had to sell my truck. I went from the master bedroom to sleeping on the floor in our living room. And I thought, okay, I'm going to find a sublet and I need to, I'm going to go hitchhiking. So I did. I packed a backpack. And I went hitchhiking from Los Angeles to Seattle in November of 2019. So fairly recently. And for two and a half weeks, I was literally on the road hitchhiking rides from strangers. And ultimately restored my faith in myself, my courage and trusting my intuition and instinct. It also restored my faith and love for humanity. And because every single person, every person I interacted with was so pleasant and happy and had a story and like all these fears that I had leading up to this trip, you know, of America's pastime, like you used to hitchhike in the past. You don't do that anymore. It's so dangerous. There were so many fears that were involved with hitchhiking that um, completing this trip really restored a lot of courage that I had in myself. Like if I could do this hitchhiking trip by myself, I can do a lot of things. And when I came back from this trip, I said, okay, I need to make money doing my thing. And not that it was about making money, but it was about thriving, Mm -hmm. doing what I love to do. And that in this world that we live in requires making money. So I said, okay, how do I pay my bills without looking for another job? All right, well, Twisted Oak requires a production. It's, It's where my perfectionism is. And it's not just throwing something together. It's really cultivating like a beautiful masterpiece. And that takes a lot of time and work. And I was like, you know what? I need something a little bit more accessible, something more playful. And that for me was Bob. So I said, all right, Bob's dance shop, that's available because Bob wasn't available on Instagram. I was trying all these different things and I was like, okay, what's the name that's available? Bob's dance shop. Looked on uh, godaddy.com, available. All right, let me get this in place. Let me get this in place. Bob's dance shop. December of 2019, I put out a post and said, y'all, I'm teaching my first dance class, Bob's dance shop. I started the Instagram, invited my closest friends And ultimately, at that first class, I had about 24 of my friends show up. I charged $10 a ticket and I rented this studio space. And it ended up being where like what I made from tickets paid off the space. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really make money off of it, but I gained courage and confidence. Okay, I just did this class and I'm learning from it. This is how I'm going to do it better next time. And so I had about five of those between... December of 2019 until February or March of 2020. And we know what happened. What's coming next or what, like, how can people get involved and find their inner Bob? Is it mainly on Instagram? Is that where you are releasing new sort of routines? And how can people find out more about the flash bobs or be part of them? Like, myself, how can they be involved or what can they do? You know, it's such a hard thing to answer because there's some unpredictability of the COVID Mm -hmm. and Delta variant. There's just like, 
you know, how do we, because what we do cultivates community. We bring right. people together yeah. and that's, you know, that's a, that's what we need right now. But at the same time, how do you do that safely? How do you mm-hmm. pay respect to the fact that, you know, there is a, there's a very dangerous disease that's affecting people, you know, very seriously. How do you not disregard that, but at the same time, not stop our art and stop our love from growing and sharing and stuff. So we're working through that. We're figuring that out. And the best, most consistent thing is following us on Instagram and TikTok. And, you know, when we create a new choreography, we generally would like to teach a live class online. We would like to create a studio, build our own studio, but we don't have the funds for that. So we're going to be raising money to create a studio, a dance studio, to create a destination where people can come mm-hmm. and experience. But we also want to bring that studio on the road. So we are investing in a Bob Mobile, which is a 1960s Ford Econoline van, which we will paint yellow. It'll be repurposed, upcycled, and refurbished. And think of like the Scooby-Doo mystery van meets like the Jetsons, like the very timeless, like time capsule um, painted yellow and it'll say the Bob Mobile on it. And like, that's how we're going to take the dance shop to like local areas within Southern California, Northern California. Um, we could even take it to nature. You know, it's like we can basically take wherever the wheels will go, we'll take the dance shop. Yeah. And if you do it outdoors with masks, there could still be some way to bring this and the energy that we all sort of need to unleash right now in a safe way. Yeah. Um, or I just hope you do something like that soon down here because I'm I'm ready for it. There's definitely movement in that direction. And it's at the at the moment, you know, we don't have a big team. Which is I also incredible to hear that because you see some of the like that is so impressive. A lot of these flash or all the flash bobs, like I saw something, the one in the park was amazing, which I'm guessing is like in San Francisco. Did you the do the first one? Yeah, maybe that was that was the, the first very first one, one that like, went viral yeah. was in Santa Monica. That and then the second one we did was in San Francisco. Yeah. Okay, maybe that was the second one. And that was in Dolores Park. Yeah, Dolores Park. Yes. Yeah. So all those things and like getting like logistically it all together and then also making your way up there. That's all like self-funded, self-done. Um, yeah. It's kind of back to your roots of putting together 300 people your freshman year or, yeah. you know, in high school. And so I guess you were really meant to do this all along. And um, I'm just so excited that you are doing it and you are here and bringing this form of, you know, teaching people that that is a form of joy and they deserve it to give to themselves and to just be fun and joyful and play more. And coming from someone that studies the science from that, like I can't say how important that is. I literally would prescribe someone to watch your videos as literally like practice increasing more joy. Like literally, that's one of the tools I'm going to give. So Mm. thank you so much. And I'm really excited for further ways in which we can collaborate. I can't wait. So the last thing that we do on Looking Up, um, if we were together, I'd have you choose your own card. This is my Things Are Looking Up optimism deck of cards. And so each card has a holistic or science-based prompt or suggestion that actually increases resiliency and optimism. And there are a few dance cards, by the way, which are my favorite ones. Um, But I just picked this random one while you were talking for you. So this is yours um, to take with you for the rest of your day. Just for a moment, see if you can challenge yourself to focus on the solutions, not the problems. Whatever that means to you, whatever comes up, just go with it. And I think that's actually a perfect card for you because I already hear you focusing on the solutions and sort of the excitement on where where Bob is going and how we can all get a little piece of Bob safely during this time when we really actually need Bob the most. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for being on Looking Up With Me. Thank you for having me. This has been a wonderful birthday treat. And I actually, I didn't mind putting it on my birthday because I kind of intuitively knew I needed it on my birthday because this next week I'm taking kind of a sabbatical for myself for my 30th. I am, I told you I'm an introvert. Mm-hmm. So I'm booking a trip to Canada, to British Columbia to kind of just sit in the silence and with nature and to reflect. And there is so much, so much that is coming with Bob and so much growth and expansion 
that I don't want to rush into it unconsciously. I'm very intentional, very practical, and I do things, you know, slowly. And um, part of that is building out my team and trusting those people, delegating those responsibilities. Because currently, I take uh, take on a lot of the mm-hmm. roles, which takes kind of a tax on my physical health, sleep, and food, and all that stuff. So yeah. I I know what needs to happen in order to keep growing successfully Mm -hmm. um, and being supported along that growth. And I just need to take this time away from social media because I run the social media account, which um, actually takes the biggest toll on my mental health. And so I just needed to treat myself to the Canadian, Canadian Rockies and those like glacier lakes and fresh air and trees. I'm just like really looking forward to soaking in the energy and that way I'm coming back rejuvenated, refreshed, close to home, my core balanced. And then I'm able to, anything that we're creating from there on out is coming from that space and not from this chaotic, stressful, I need to do this, 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 this. Like I, I am not as productive that way, not as efficient. So. Well, I love your intuition and how well you know yourself. And I also love your connection to nature. It's been a real sort of constant and pattern in what I think what you've shared with me, your life story. So that's really exciting. And I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts after you come back rejuvenated. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you for having me. Have a fabulous, fabulous week. Thanks so much for listening to Looking Up. For more optimistic content, follow me at Dr. Deepu Chopra. For more info and how to get your very own Things Are Looking Up Optimism deck of cards, head to thingsarelookingup.co. If you like what you hear and you want to support the show, please don't forget to rate, review, and follow the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Our theme music is Me and Sade by Tommy, courtesy of Terrible Records. I'm your host, Dr. Deepika Chopra, and I'll see you next Monday for your weekly dose of optimism.